last week we went through the 89th Psalm, the first eight verses. We'll take a review on that and move forward. Last week we were talking as we started, there's not a more appropriate time to read this psalm and to try to teach this psalm with all of the troubles we face in the world as a church, as a nation, as a family, as an individual, all the darkness around us, the death and all the persecutions and trials, the sickness, society has gone completely crazy, hating everything of God. Our government's ruled by Satan. We have a disease through the land or a chemical, biological weapon, whichever it is, the point being that we are in great suffering. And this psalm is a very comforting one to understand the power of the living God and the power of His Christ and the faithfulness of the mercy of God. We began talking about in the first verse, he said, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, made known the fact that everything that we have because we are sinners fallen in Adam and because we have our own sins which also condemn us, That everything that we have is by the mercy of God. We cannot know God. We cannot come to God. We cannot serve God in any way. As a matter of fact, by our nature, the Bible teaches us that we were at enmity with God and hated God and loved the way that we were in the nature of our flesh walking in sin and death. So therefore, it is by the mercies of God in Christ, for everything is in Christ, that we even know the Lord. Everything that we have, every good gift, every perfect gift is in the mercy of God. And His mercy is in Christ. We talked about it. Verse 2 would be built up forever. We talk about the faithfulness of His mercy established in the heavens above, the third heaven where God reigns. We have a heaven here in the world where we breathe air and atmosphere. We have a heaven where God hung the stars and the moon and the sun. And then we have the third heaven, which is the place where God is and has always been and always will be. Just as He established the heavens as eternal as they are, In His greatness, in His might, in His power, so is His faithfulness. We talked about where the Lord said He'd made a covenant with His chosen, verse 3. He talks about David. God anointed. God chose David to be king over Israel. David was a type of Christ. David sits not upon the throne. There has not been one of David sitting upon a physical throne in Israel since the Babylonian captivity, but Christ who came from the, from the lineage of David through the Virgin Mary. He's pointing to Christ. He made a covenant with Christ. We went back to Isaiah 42. Mine elect, my chosen, whom I uphold, that God made covenant with Father and Son before the world was, the covenant of grace sealed by the Holy Spirit, God swore unto David. God swore unto Jesus Christ. God swore. And He cannot deny Himself. I don't care what happens in this world. I don't care who does what. Nothing can stay His promise, His faithfulness, His covenant made between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because God cannot deny Himself. 
The everlasting, all-being, eternal God who created all things. He said, Thy seed will I establish forever. That will certainly be in heaven and immortal glory. And the seed of God is here in the world and the remnant that God preserves in the kingdom of God. We call the church the assembly of the saints. People say, well, I have church at home. No, you cannot have church at home. I hate to tell you that, but that is not true. Church means the assembly of the saints. Unless the saints are assembling at your house, you cannot have church at home. This is where God ordained that we should worship. This is how God ordained that we should worship in the Scripture. And you're not going to have the joy of Christ in the assembly unless you're in the assembly of the saints. That's the way God made it. But in a way that's faithful, we have it. Christ sits upon His throne throughout all generations. As long as there is time, as long as there's the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that God created, that God holds together, that God sustains, that God keeps together, which will be here until the last child of God is born of the Spirit of God, as long as we have time, Christ's church will be in this world. He said, The heavens shall praise thy wonders, all the Angels in heaven, the cherubs, the seraphims, all the creatures in heaven shall praise the Lord. And also the congregation of the saints in verse 5, that's the church here in the world, shall praise the Lord. We are talking about and giving praise with our mouth and our heart and soul by the Spirit of God, giving praise to the mercy of God and His faithfulness. What brings us through? all these troubles? What brings us through all these trials and temptations? What brings us through the death of a loved one with peace in our heart? What has carried us in this nation, let's talk about today's times, which has been blessed of God for over 200 years because God placed His church here because it pleased Him What's kept that here? What's blessed us? The mercy of God. Who in heaven can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? The angels cannot be compared to God. And Christ is God. In the flesh, manifest, the seraphims, the cherubs, all the things in heaven which worship God. Satan cannot be compared to God. Although he desired to be as God, yet he's cast down the pit of hell, he cannot be compared to God. The devils in hell cannot be compared to God. The kings of the earth, Pharaoh, Hitler, Joe Biden, anybody else cannot be compared to God. God is eternal. God is sovereign. God works His way in heaven and earth. He is the Creator. Everything else is created, and including Satan himself, has no power at all against God in heaven except for what God grants him to have for just a little while until His purpose and the election of grace is complete when the last child of God is born of the Spirit And all this is ended. This faithfulness of God. I have said, I have said, and it shall be. And he said, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, the church, and be had in reverence of all them that are about Him. There's a reverential fear that we have of God, which is quite different from the fear of terror that the wicked have, that those left in their own state of nature have, to those that God did not choose to save, have 
We reverence Him in fear. We fear Him in reverence because He loved us. He was merciful unto us. In His grace, He has saved us. They fear Him in terror of eternal punishment. And he, where we left off last week, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee. There is none but God. He said, I am God. There is none else. God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father, Spirit, invisible. The Holy Spirit, Spirit, invisible. Christ, the Lord God manifest in the flesh, the everlasting Father in the flesh, the fullness of the Godhead in Him. Who is strong like unto Him? When God spoke, let there be light. When God formed the world. When God formed the dry land. When God put the fish in the sea, the beast upon the earth, and the fowl in the sky. When God made everything grow. You want to talk about power? God didn't take tools. God didn't take materials. God didn't have a blueprint to read. God said, let it be. And by golly, it was. That's power and wisdom. And Christ is the power and wisdom of God. Who is strong like unto the Lord? Made mention last week of God parting the Red Sea. Who can pull back the waves of the sea? By nature, the sea goes so far. God created that. God causes it to go just so far and return again unto itself. God does that. Man can't do that. Man can't control it. We put ships on the sea and sometimes they are overturned and sink. We don't have the power. But to bring your mind to Matthew, I think, 8 where the Lord's upon the ship sleeping, His disciples in a great torment of weather came and said, Lord, save us, we perish. Oh, you little faith. But He calmed the sea. He spoke a word and it was calm. Just as He spoke a word and the world was created. This is the God that loves you. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who has mercy upon us. This is the God who made covenant between Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In His mercy, by His grace, all things we have are by Him. His faithfulness faileth not. When we see what happens in this world, understand who we serve. Understand God and who He is. What little bit we have of Him. He created the north. He hung the earth upon nothing. Nothing. This is God. O Lord of God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto Thee? There is none or to thy faithfulness round about. God can not lie. He gives us the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David is the death, burial, resurrection of the Son of God. He, He died for our transgression. 
He bore our sin and His body upon the tree. He raised up for our justification to life. And He sits in heaven forever making intercession for us, His people. Now let's move forward. Thou rulest the raging of the sea when the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. This chapter, this 89th Psalm, you could preach on if God blessed for a month of Sundays. You pray for me, please. I don't want to stay here a month of Sundays unless the Lord wills it, but I want you to understand enough to know the faithfulness of God and realize who we serve and who He is. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. My mind goes to two things very quickly. One is the flood in Genesis 6. When the sin of man was so great upon the earth. Now this is depravity. This is where we brought ourselves. When every imagination let that sink in. Of man's heart was only evil continually. We have evil thoughts today, but it's not continually. As long as we live in this body of flesh, we're going to have evil thoughts because this body is sin. That's why it must die or be changed at the last day. It repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth. The Lord said, I will destroy man from the face of the earth. I will destroy everything that hath the breath of life in it. Every creature of the dry land will I destroy. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's turn from that and make a point. God destroyed the water, the men, I'm sorry, by water. The raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. God caused it to rain upon the face of the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. It was, I believe, 15 cubits above the highest mountain or hill. God sent that rain. God has the power to send that rain. God sent just the perfect amount of rain to fulfill His purpose. Period. And then God stilled it. He opened up the fountains of the deep. He caused it to rain up until that point. And only the earth had been watered by mist from the ground. And God opened up the fountains of the deep. Boom! There comes the Grand Canyon when the waters rush forth. Some fool in science says it took 40 million years for that to happen. I beg to differ. Trace back to Adam. This world is around 8,000 years old. Laugh if you wish. But that's Bible truth. My point is, God controlled the water and the waves until everything on the world was dead that breathed there except for those eight souls of the promised sea and what God put upon the ark of Noah. 
We go again to another and then we'll move on. The Lord led Israel to a place where there was no way out. There was enemy all around them. The Red Sea was in front of them. And here comes Pharaoh in his fury. Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? Well, buddy, he found out. Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? He's got them just where He wants Him. Now you think about that with politics today. These fools that deny God, and that's a biblical that's a biblical definition of a fool. 14th Psalm, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. These people in government that deny God, that deny Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God suffers their time to be. He lets them hang themselves for their own rope. But the time comes that God will avenge His glory first and foremost and His people. Pharaoh comes down to the sea upon the children of God. God parts the Red Sea. Thou rulest the waves. He parts the Red Sea. The children of Israel, the physical nation, crossed on dry land and the bottom of that sea. I don't know how old the words was at that time. I cannot remember that at this point in my life because I'm getting old. can't remember things like I used to. But I know it was wet and mucky. They crossed over on dry land. Yet the Egyptians become stuck in the mud. And then what did the Lord do? He controlled the water again. He released it and it came down upon them and killed them all. We're talking about the faithfulness of God in Christ and His mercy and the power of God. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. And let's take a spiritual look at that too as we did in the 23rd Psalm because when we're there by the deep, still waters in the knowledge of God that God gives His children the deep things of the Scripture that we might have peace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Things just a little deeper. Things just a little more solid. Things just building a little bit more firm foundation. The deep things of God and Christ from before when the world was to today to the last day in heaven and immortal glory. Thou hast broken Rahab. Rahab is Egypt. In pieces, referring to Pharaoh as one that is slain. Egypt's still there, but he broke it. There was one that was slain. Pharaoh was laying there. The Egyptian army was laying there. The nation was there. It was slain. It was as a dead man. Walk up and kick a dead man. He can't move. He cannot respond. He has no power against the living. The dead have no power against the living. And the wicked have no power against God. And that's primarily speaking of Satan himself. He has no power against God. He goes just as far as God will suffer him to do so. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. Christ is the arm of God. The right hand, the power of Almighty God. The heavens, catch this. <laughs> Think about this. Walked out last night to get an extension cord out of my truck for Luke to plug up his little play device. About 11.30, I looked up. There's that beautiful moon. And I don't know if it's a star or planet, 
but it was just west of the moon. And it was beautiful. Now you look, get somewhere. I live in a hollow. Get somewhere on a hill where you can see on a clear winter night. Look across the Milky Way at all the stars, at all the planets. Look through a wise scientist telescope, and I'm talking about one who is a true scientist, not falsely so-called, one who does not deny God, but one who teaches us how God does things in nature. There are some. Look through the telescope and look at all the universes, the billions of stars and planets, billions, B, that we are capable of seeing through these things. God created them all. They're all named of God. He names them in Scripture, the few that we're able to see. God made them all. They all belong to Him. They're His. Well, I got a little bit of money in the bank. I'm sitting high. Let me tell you something. The money we have, God gives to us. I'm talking about riches and things here. But look at the riches of God and all that He made in His power and wisdom. And you're the greatest treasure of God is His elect people. But my point in staying with Scripture, the heavens are thine. Everything there belongs to God. And there are more than we'll ever be able to see. The earth also is thine. The cattle of a thousand hills. Also, all the grass and food that they eat. Do you ever stop and consider about the ongoing providence of God and His mercy? What we eat that grows from the ground. The rain that God sends to carry us forth and to, to give us nutrients in our body that we can live and walk and, and do the things that God would have us to do daily. The water we drink, the rain He sends, the ground which grows, the, what the cattle eat, what the pigs eat, what the birds eat, every single thing, even where there is no man, God provides these things. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, all that's created, Thou hast founded them. God made them all. This is the God who is merciful to us. This is the God before whom sin cannot exist. Again, our God is a consuming fire. Again, when the Son of Man appears in His glory, remember He laid His glory aside the glory that God had to be born in this world to finish the work the Father gave Him to do. God returned that glory to Him when He went back to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, <laughs> this earth will vanish. It will be consumed for our God is a consuming fire. I say all that to make the point sin cannot exist before God. But in the mercy and grace of God, we exist before Him in the purpose of Christ, in the purpose of the election of grace, that He, Christ, would be glorified. That He, Christ, would have a people who would serve Him forever and ever throughout eternity. The heavens are thine. 
As for the world and the fullness thereof, Thou hast founded them, the north and the south, Thou hast created them. Do you get that? There was nothing. And God created the north and the south. So one of my favorite texts in Scriptures in Job 26 is about verse 7 or 8. Beginning of the text there. That He founded. He made. He appointed. He set in place the north. He created the north and hung the earth upon nothing. The north and the south that has created them. Let's think about this. You go north to the top, you go south to the bottom. They're both polar ice caps. They're frozen. I don't know what lives there, but I doubt there's very little that can sustain life in that kind of a climate and in that much ice. But bear this in mind. God has a purpose for both. And they are there for the purpose and the glory of God. And that's good enough for me. Most of the rest live in between those two. But the fact is, God created them, the north and the south, for His purpose. Tabor, a mountain on the east side of Galilee, the top of it's a plain. It's got trees and water and Hermon, a fruitful mountain to the west. From the east to the west, we've talked about the north and the south. When you go north and you hit the top of north, you turn and go south. When you go south and you hit the bottom of south, you turn and go north. But when you go west, west, you continually go west. Doesn't matter where you are in this world, you continually, continually, continually go west. The same is true with east. If you go east, you continually, continually go east. I say that to make the point because it's a good place to remind you that God said, I have separated thy sins from me as far as the east is from the west, the north and the south. Meet, but the east and the west do not meet. Your sins are gone in Christ. That's the mercy of the living God. And His faithfulness is so. He cannot deny Himself. The north and the south that has created them, Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. One to the east, one to the west that has a mighty arm. That arm is Christ. He's the power of God. He's the wisdom of God. Strong is thy hand. My right hand. Another symbol of strength and power we find in John chapter 10 where the Lord Jesus says, No man, my sheep are in my hand and no man can pluck them out. And He said, I and my Father are one. We are in the hand of Almighty God. Used to sing that song back in school in a much more blessed time than this sinful generation in which we live now. He's got the whole world in His hands. I remember singing that. Thou hast a mighty arm. How mighty is it? Created heaven and earth. How mighty is it? Created it out of nothing. How mighty is it? Takes death and makes it life. Raise the body, quicken the spirit, Life. Mighty. No man has that knowledge. No man has that wisdom. No man has that power. Satan, the angels in hell cannot do that. The devils in hell cannot do that. Only our Lord. Only our Lord. Let me go a little further. The angels in heaven cannot do that. Only our Lord. Justice and judgment are the habitation 
of thy throne. Deuteronomy 32, I believe all His ways are judgment. God is just. God changes not. He is the same today as He was before the world was. He'll be the same in eternity after time as He was in this world or in the time of time as He was in eternity. He is just. He is right. He is pure. He is righteous. He is holy. All His ways are judgment. The law itself gives us what is required of God which we cannot do because we're fallen creatures given so that we might know our sin when grace came. We were shut up under the law for so long. But the law declares the righteousness of God. We can't draw nigh to that. That's why Christ fulfilled the law of God for His people. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. The judgment of God upon the Lamb of God on the cross of Calvary. We have mercy. We have grace. Christ bore our sin. Christ bore our punishment. He had no mercy in that context. He suffered the full wrath of God for three hours not even knowing what happened to Him in the hours of darkness. We're not privy to that. It's not given for us to know that or God would tell us. But I'm telling you, He suffered the full wrath of God without mercy up to the point of exactly and forever paying that debt. What was required was done in Him. He finished that work. And we stand in that mercy. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. It is God Himself. Mercy and truth. For grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Moses gave us the law. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. We read in Ezekiel and a few other places where they saw the Lord high and lifted up and there was a bow around Him of His glory. That's Christ. If we see God by eyesight as they did, or if we see Him by Spirit, it's in Christ. Who we see is Christ. He reveals God to us. The bow of His glory round about Him. The mercy, the truth, of God before these people being spoken of in the 89th Psalm who are God's children because they stand in the mercy of God and only God's elect stand in the mercy of God. The mercy and truth of God. We will stand in awe and fall before Him when we arrive in heaven and immortal glory and see Him as He is in His glory as the Son of Man in the flesh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this. Some people say that 
God chose Christ out of all the men of the world, and I can I can I can almost see that in a degree. But you remember this. The Lord Jesus Christ did not have an earthly father. He had an earthly mother from the seed of David to fulfill the promises made to David of the sure mercies of David. His father was not Joseph. He didn't come from the seed of Joseph. He came from Mary to be a man, all man, to suffer, bleed, and die and sit upon the throne of David. But his father is God. She conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she bore that holy thing called the Son of God. The living Word was made flesh. Don't bring Him down to our level. Blessed is the people. This is you. Blessed are you. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. When we hear of a joyful sound, oftentimes we think of singing hymns. I love to sing them. Did it at work. Do it now if I'm alone. I do it sitting in the woods sometimes hunting and realize ain't nothing coming up here of me singing these psalms. But I enjoy doing it. The joyful sound, brethren. Now we're digging deep down to the remnant of God's people and the purpose of God in the election of grace, bearing witness to Christ as we live in this dark, sinful world. The people that hear the joyful sound or know the joyful sound, those that God preserves and gives the pure gospel to of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I know my salvation is not in my earthly father or his father or my family or the church or the congregation or the Sunday schools or choirs or any money I might give or anything I might do or any good work I might in my sinful mind think I'm capable of doing. My salvation is in the mercy of God and the grace of His Son Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection and nothing else. And that's a joyful sound. It cannot be lost. May grace touch our hearts to realize that. Especially in this time of darkness around us. The darkest time in my life that I remember. Nation turning to ungodliness. Communism. That's just like Islam. It's nothing but Satan's religion. All these left-wing Democrat fools teaching this stuff that people need to do this. They deny God. But God gives us peace. We are blessed. We know the joyful sound of God's mercy. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in light of thy countenance. Let's not take credit for that. For God causes us to walk in the light of His counsel. His countenance. He writes His law upon our inward parts. He causes us to seek Him by the Spirit of God within you, which cries, Abba, Father, that to cry freedom of a slave to his father. We've been freed from the law of sin and death. We're in grace. We're in mercy. Doesn't mean we're going to walk in it continually, but we're not. We're, we're not going to be like those where every imagination 
of our hearts evil. We still have evil imaginations. I get mad. I get mad. I look around this world today. Ooh, boy, my, my, my Southern American blood wants to rebel. But that's not what we are to do. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we have peace in that and we'll move on. God causes us to walk in the light of His counsel. In thy name, His name is Himself. Jah, J-A-H. Jehovah God, Almighty God. The Jews would not even pronounce His name in full out of reverence. Jah, J-A-H. A groaning, Jah. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day. We rejoice in this beautiful day. We rejoice in know the fact of the knowledge that God has put upon our heart that the time comes for the wicked to pay, whether temporally in this world or in the day of eternity. We rejoice in the purpose of Christ and the work of Christ. We rejoice in the knowledge of Christ. In Thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in Thy righteousness, His righteousness, shall we be exalted. We have no righteousness of our own. But He brings us into His righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. We believe God. His righteousness is imputed to us, His people. For Thou art the glory of their strength, and in Thy favor our horn shall be exalted. Thou art the glory of their strength. Christ is our strength. Christ is the glory of God, the express image of His person. Lord, give me a tongue simple to explain this. As God gives us strength, Christ is glorified. He died for us. He saved us. He carried us. He carries us. We do not just walk with Him. He picks us up as lambs in His bosom. He feeds us. He nurtures us. He very tenderly carries us. And in that Christ is glorified. For Thou art the glory of their strength, and in Thy favor, grace, our horn shall be exalted. Luke chapter 1. What's the man's name? Zechariah said the Lord would raise up the horn of salvation to Israel. That's not verbatim. Go read it. But he's talking about our horn, our strength, our glory, our power. It's not of us. It's all in Christ. Our horn shall be exalted. We're exalted with Him. We're exalted in it. But the Lord, next verse, is our defense. Christ, our horn, our salvation. And the Holy One of Israel is our King. Who is the Holy One of Israel? To be holy means to set aside. Jesus Christ, the man, was set aside by God to be the Savior of His people. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is our King. I don't care who's in office. Christ is our King. Then thou spakest in vision to the Holy One. This is just plainly saying that God had men to prophesy in vision. 
He gave prophecy of Christ. Thou, thou spakest in vision to the Holy One and saidst, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of my people. That began in this context, speaking of David, who would sit upon the throne of Israel, and it will, it resulted in the promise of Christ who sits upon the throne of David, the throne of Israel, the throne of Jacob, the head of the church, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I found David, my servant. God is speaking as a man. God doesn't find anything. God created all things. God knows where everything is. He doesn't learn anything. He doesn't forget anything. He's making a point in a way that we can understand that the time had come. He could see through prophecy that the time would come when Christ would be born in the world from the womb of a virgin of the tribe of David, His Father being the Holy Spirit of God. This David, our horn of salvation, Everything in the grace. Everything in the mercy of God. With my holy oil have I anointed Him. It's three or four times. Three times in Scripture where Christ received. The first one coming to mind was His baptism. Where the man, the man, Jesus Christ, received anointing of God. This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. When John saw the Spirit of God descending in fullness as a dove from heaven, we have a measure of the Spirit. We cannot stand the fullness of the Spirit in this world because we are sin. Christ was without sin. He received the fullness of the Spirit. The enemy, Satan. Oh, let me back up one. Verse 21, with whom my hand shall be established. God established Christ. Christ was His servant. I'm talking about the man, Christ. All man. Yes, He's all God. But I'm talking about the man who was tempted, who suffered, who could bleed, got tired, got hungry, felt sorrow and emotion, just like we do. God's hand shall be established. Mine arm also shall strengthen him as he prayed in the garden. Mentioned somewhere recently, not my will but thine be done. If it be thy will, let this cup be removed from me. Not my will but thine be done. And God gave him strength. An angel ministered unto him. He went forth into the crucifixion. The man, the man who suffered. The enemy shall not exact upon him. Satan can't. <laughs> Satan can't defeat God. Satan is a creature and he's a fallen creature. He rebelled. He's in punishment. He's held in chains now and will be cast into the everlasting lake of fire. The enemy shall not exact upon him nor the son of wickedness afflict him. All the devils in hell, all the wicked in the world. Yes, he was afflicted. Yes, he was smitten. We estranged him, smitten of God, for it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Isaiah 53. But again, just so far, to the point of the crucifixion that God suffered the man Jesus Christ to suffer, to be rejected of men, and to be nailed to the cross of Calvary, placed in the new tomb, and come forth to heaven in immortal glory. There's no more affliction. 
He fought. If you want to call that fight, and that's how we represented it, one time. He laid his life down one time. He paid that sacrifice one time. It won't happen again. Once is perfect. Once is perfect. He cannot be afflicted of the devil. He cannot be defeated of the devil. You hear people talk about, well, what's going to happen when the Lord comes back? We see in Revelation all these things fighting up in the sky. Lord help us. People don't understand with all this fear. The book of Revelation we just went through, there's no fear in there to a child of God. It's all the victory, the revelation, the manifestation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He cannot be defeated. And I will beat down His foes before His face and plague them that hate Him. This began primarily with the Sadducees and the Pharisees among the Jews who most of them were His enemies. This came from Satan. His enemies. But my faithfulness, here we go. This is our comfort. This is our joy. But my faithfulness and my mercy. How do we start out? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, the man. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. The power and wisdom of God. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. From sea to sea to coast to coast. This is another way of saying what is said in Matthew that he'll send his angels to the four corners of the earth. What he's saying is all his elect among the Gentiles, all his elect among Israel, all of his elect in the world. I'll set his hand in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father. Christ call God his Father. My God and the rock of my salvation, and I will make him my firstborn. Higher than the kings of the earth. Christ is the firstborn. He's the only begotten. Only child. Only son. But he's the firstborn from the dead. People say, well, maybe it's talking about him being born of the Spirit. I won't have that. Every child of God that stands in glory with their body in the ground, let's include two that didn't die. Let's talk about Enoch and Elijah. Now let's settle this. Every child of God who's a sinner and Adam had to be changed to stand before God. To be changed, we must be born of the Spirit. Period. So this is not talking about being born of the Spirit The first begotten is talking about Him coming forth from the dead. The first begotten from the dead. Romans 8. And I will make Him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. (laughs) They are nothing before Him and neither am I. My mercy... 
I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Verse 1. My mercy will I keep for Him. You catch that? It's not about us. The Father's mercy. He says, I will keep for the Son, for the man, the Son of God, all man, all God. My mercy will I keep for Him forevermore. It's all about Christ. It's all about the glory of Christ. My mercy will I keep for Him forevermore. That's not just time, that's eternity. That covenant is forever. And my covenant shall stand fast because he cannot deny himself with him. His seed, we're going to close with this till next week. His seed. <laughs> you are his seed. The corn of wheat fell into the ground and brought forth much fruit. The elect of God, born of the Spirit, seed of Christ. His seed also will I make to endure forever. All the children of God and His throne as the days of heaven, ruling in heaven and immortal glory forever and ever and ever. To one who is blessed of God, to one whom God has chosen, to one whom God has given life from death, to one whom the Lord has blessed to hear the joyful sound and know Christ, to understand Christ, to know we're passing through this world of darkness and sin and all the seed of the wicked and the devil around us and all the persecutions and trials and tribulations and sickness and disease. To all of those people, this Word is written. The mercy, the faithfulness of the mercy of God. And in that, we rejoice.